0: Uh, it's very timely because his introduction has to do with this wonderful truth of the incarnation of the word that was made flesh. And John as an apostle was able to say that he himself is an eyewitness to the life and the ministry of this Jesus. We have heard him. We have seen him with our eyes. We have looked upon him, we have beheld his glory, and our hands have handled. Truly he was God with us, God in flesh, real flesh, undiminished flesh, joined together with undiminished divinity. This is the glory and the wonder of the incarnation. And as we think of Christmas, we realize that the Bible tells us this is a gift that God has sent into the world, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. As we think about Christmas, we do a lot of gift giving, don't we? We give give gifts to one another, and it's an expression of our love and appreciation for them, but it's this season that reminds us of the great gift that was given, and that was the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And central to this story of Christmas, the babe in Bethlehem is that a gift has been given. And, and this gift is unlike a lot of gifts that we get and probably will get over Christmas. And you know, sometimes we get another pair of socks. We really don't need those socks, but we get another pair of socks. I remember a gift I got from my mom and dad when I was 18. It was an electric shaver. I didn't need an electric shaver when I was 18. When I was 22, I finally got to use it. I was, I, was a late, I was a late bloomer. Many gifts that we give are really unnecessary or they're minor gifts. But this gift that God has given in Jesus Christ, this gift is of utmost importance. This gift is, and the story of Christmas is about the gift of this babe in Bethlehem And it is this gift that brings eternal life. I want to speak just briefly about it today, about the gift of eternal life. And Paul kind of sums this up in Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is what? Death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So central to this message of the babe that is born in Bethlehem is that he has come to bring life, eternal life. We sing the hymn, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Hail the heaven-born Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness, Light and Life to all he brings. Risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays his glory by. Born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. That's what we really need, isn't it? As we live in this fallen and this broken world, we are thankful for a Savior who has come into this world to give life, to bring about life. And so John begins his epistle speaking about this one that he had known and had spent all of those those three years with. And one of the things that John wants to express, first of all, and we touched on this last week, is that Jesus is the possessor of eternal life. Jesus himself possesses eternal life. And so, Paul, or excuse me, John, as he begins to write, as he speaks about this one uh, that he has seen and he is bearing witness to, verse one, he's referred to as the Word of Life. He is the Word of Life. It's an interesting title that is used of Jesus it's used by john in john 1:1 1, 1, a familiar verse to us that in the beginning was the word the word was with god and the word was god but he's referred to as the word now why are words important well they're the means by which we communicate things don't we i'm hopefully trying to communicate something here with words we use words when we write our christmas Cards and we write a note to a friend, and we express things to them, maybe of our love and our appreciation for them and for their friendship. We use words to speak when we are at dinner with someone. We converse with one another, and we are expressing things that are within us. We even express words with our little grandson. He's my buddy, 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 buddy. And uh, I don't know that he knows what that means, but hopefully in time he will And we speak to him, even though right now he's not able to comprehend all that. He just kind of looks at us with this funny look. But words are vitally important. And here is a title that is used of Christ. He is the word, the word that was made flesh. Here is God's communication to us through the living word, through the Son of God himself. He is the one who is the great communicator. And words reveal what are in the inner thoughts and the purposes and the plans of a person. And so it is Christ who is expressing to us, revealing to us the plan, the purposes of God, his Father. And so he is revealing to us the very nature of God. He is the one who was in the bosom of the Father, and he has explained the Father to us. And he could say to his disciples, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. He is expressing the very nature of who God is in himself. He is expressing the purposes and the work of the Father, and he has come to fulfill the work of the Father. And so here is the eternal word. And Hebrews 1 1 says this, that God in former times and in various ways, he spoke unto our fathers through the prophets, but in these last days, in these last days, he has spoken to us in son. All of those things said by the prophets, they were revealed, they were revealing the word of God. But in the last days, he's now spoken to us in this, ultimate expression of communication, it is in Son. It is in his Son who is the Word, the Word that was made flesh and dwelt among us. So he is the living expression of the very nature and the will and the purpose of God. But one of the things that John ties together with this one who is Word is that he is the Word of life. He is the word of life. His incarnation is associated with life. Personally, he is one who possesses this life, which he will go on to explain. But he is also the one who communicates life. We want to speak about that today. John Gill said, concerning this Christ who is the word of life, he is so called because he was he has life in himself as God as the mediator and as man and is the author of life both natural spiritual and eternal. And so in verse 2 he goes on and says the life was manifest it was manifested this life was made flesh we saw him and he came into this world and we saw this one who is the word of life. And we bear witness of this and we declare to you this word, this word of life. And notice what he says there in verse 2. Another title that we could say is used of Christ. What we declare to you is that eternal life which was with the Father and it was manifested to us. Jesus has this, what he says, eternal life. He is the possessor of divinity, of divine life. A life that has no beginning and has no end. One who is eternal. He is the eternal word. And so here, this one that is born to Mary, the God-man, is possessor of eternal life. Psalm 90 says, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. He is the self-existent, self-sufficient God. He is eternal life. So in that way, he is unlike us. Our life is derived. Our life is dependent, not him. He partakes of eternal life. And John says, we, we heard him, we saw him, we handled him, and he was the eternal Word, and he was with the Father. He was with the Father, and he was made flesh. He is the divine, eternal life. And what we see in this, as we think about this, here's the glory of Christmas, because this one who possessed eternal life from all eternity has come into this world to convey life to give life, to share life. And so this is the glorious news of Christmas. As we think about Jesus, as he is coming to this world, he's not coming to this world to be kind of like a life coach. We just need somebody to kind of pick us up, help us in our life as we live our life. And so he's kind of like a life coach so that we can enjoy our best life now. Jesus Christ came into this world that was a fallen world where as a result of Adam and Eve as they fell in the garden where death reigns, where death reigns. This is the world into which the eternal life, the word of life stepped into and became, a f- became flesh. And he came here so that he might convey a life that in many a life that had been lost. You remember that God had put Adam and Eve into the garden and blessed them, and it was there that God communed with them. They enjoyed this life with God of knowing Him, a physical life but a spiritual life where God walked with them in the garden. And you remember He said, "Of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, you are not to eat of that. For the day that you eat of it, you will surely what." You will surely die, die ultimately physically, but also there was this now breach, this this gulf between them and God. There was spiritual death that has taken place and they are separated from God because of their sins. And so Paul is able to say that we are those who we are dead in sin and we're dead in transgressions. We have. We've turned away from God and we've gone our own way. But Jesus has come to bring life, to bring life. And so John, when he wrote his first gospel, he wrote and he said, all these things that I've written unto you, I've written to you so that you may know that Jesus Christ is the son of God and that by believing in him, you might have life in his name that you might have life. And this is what John is writing about as well. We read these last week, but if you'll turn to chapter five, I want to read these again. First John chapter five, verse um, 10. He who believes in the son of God, he who believes in the son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has given of his son And this is the testimony that God has given us, and it is eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. And he who does not have the Son of God does not have life. And these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And that you may continue to believe the name uh, in the name of the Son of God. John in his gospel and in his epistles speaks again and again and again about life, life that is in Christ. By being united to Christ, we become partakers of this divine life, this eternal life, this life of God himself that is communicated and conveyed to us by Jesus Christ. There is a new creation that is brought about and a new life. So John John five twenty four says, Most assuredly, Jesus says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my words and believes on him who sent to me has everlasting life, and he shall not come into judgment, but he is passed from death. Into life. John 6, Jesus speaks about this bread that has come down out of heaven, speaking about like the, the manna that came down and fed the children of Israel in their wilderness wanderings. Here is this bread, this heavenly bread that has come down out of heaven that gives life. It gives life to the world. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life, and he who believes in me has everlasting life. In John 10, the shepherd and the sheep, Jesus, as the thief, comes to steal, to kill, destroy. But I have come. Why? That they may have life, not just life, but they may have abundant life. This is why I have come. And he says in that same chapter, I know my sheep, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, and neither shall anyone snatch them Out of my hand. In the next chapter, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. It is Jesus Christ who conveys, who communicates, who gives this life by the giving up of his own life. So that all who believe in him become partakers of this life. In John 17, Jesus said, "The Father, to, as he prays to the Father, says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that he may glorify you. How will he do that? Well, as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given to him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true and living God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This is a kind of life, a divine life, that Jesus shares in a fallen world with men and women estranged from God, dead in sin and transgressions. He is a life-giving Savior. And they partake All those born of the Spirit, born of God, they partake of this very life of God himself. So Paul could say in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but what? Christ lives in me. I'm a partaker of this life, this divine life that Christ has come to communicate to us. The first Adam became a living being. God breathed life into Adam. But the last Adam is a life-giving spirit. He came to give life. So Christ, by coming into this world, has done everything that is necessary that this life that was lost is now conveyed and enjoyed by fallen sons of Adam who've come to faith in Jesus Christ. And so they partake of this life, the life of God himself. Good Christian men rejoice with heart and soul and voice. Now ye need not fear the grave. Peace, peace. Christ was born to save He calls you one and he calls you all to gain his everlasting hall. Christ was born to save. And so what the book of John is going to do, this epistle of John, 1 John, is going to show us what life looks like when we have become a partaker of this life, this eternal life that Christ gives to everyone who repents of their sins and believes on him, who have been regenerated by the Spirit of God, there's this new life that they partake of, and it brings about a difference in their life. So John's going to show us what that looks like. God's fingerprints of grace are going to be upon this one. They partake of this new life, and it will affect everything about their life. So John's going to give us tests to know that we indeed may be, that we may know that we have this life. He's going to talk about love for the brothers and sisters in the Lord. He's going to talk about orthodoxy. Do we believe that Jesus Christ truly came in the flesh? Is that who we are trusting in and believing in for our salvation completely and fully? Are we trusting in him? He's going to to give a test of obedience. Are we one who hears the voice of the shepherd? And are we following him? so it's my prayer as we go through this epistle in the weeks ahead that we'll be able, I hope, to be able to look at our life and say, I do see the fingerprints of God's grace upon my life. I do see that God has communicated by his grace this life to me, that Christ lives in my life. And I hope that you're able to say, yes, I see this. But if not, it's my prayer that through this, as the gospel is made known, That you will see your need of Christ. Maybe that you will come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that you might live in him. And that's the call of the gospel. Come to Christ. Find eternal life in him. It is found nowhere else. There's no other name given under under heaven. Whereby we can be saved. It's found in him. What a glorious savior. Savior. As we celebrate this Christmas season, may we rejoice in this great truth, that the word was made flesh, and in him was life, and this life was the light of men. He's come that we might have life, that we might have it more abundantly. And as we think of the words of Paul in Romans 6, he speaks about the fact that Being joined to Christ, we are united with him. That's one of the favorite terms Paul uses, to be in Christ. And there's a sense in which we're united to him, that we have died with him, that we've been buried with him, and that we've been raised up with him to walk in newness of life. This life that is communicated to us by the grace of God through the cross of Christ is a life that enables us now to live in new and different ways. It's our privilege today as we conclude the service to have a baptismal service. Christ said, go into all the world, preach the gospel, make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it's our privilege today to witness that. And so as we prepare for that, I invite you to take your hymn book and turn, if you will, to number one hundred and seventeen. One hundred and seventeen speaks of Christ, who He is for us, and as we are singing, we'll prepare for the baptismal service. So let's stand together as we sing number one seventeen.